Welcome to Sense and Sensibility, the Inflation Guy podcast. I am Michael Ashton. I am the Inflation Guy, and I am your host, and Happy New Year 2023 to all of my listeners. Um, this podcast is just called New Year's Resolutions. You know, I, um, uh, I, I historically, really not since I worked on the street, have I spent any time doing classic year-end things uh, when it comes to commentary. So, you know, everybody puts out a year-end article, commentary, outlook piece. And, and I haven't done that since I, I worked at the big banks because um, you know, everyone does them. And so, uh, you know, it really, I guess it's something for for boring people to read over over the holidays, uh, but but it always seemed to me like it was um, you were just competing for 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 uh, you know brain time uh, from potential customers. But but on the other hand, you 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 know people who read you regularly kind of come to expect that you kind of have some summation. Um, about what you're thinking about the coming year. And so this year I actually did that that kind of piece. It, it's not really a podcast kind of thing, so it's a blog. So you can go to inflationguy.blog and, um, and search for year, year, year end, year dash end. Um, it's called 2022 Year End Thoughts About 2023. Um, and as I record this, it's the second post on the blog. But but if you just search for year-end, you can find it if you care. Um, it wasn't bad, um, you know, and I think that it will be useful to sort of look back at that later in the year. I think that that's, you know, the, the useful thing is to sort of get an, an, an insight into the analyst's mind more than it is to, you know, to give you correct answers. You know, to, to, what do I think are the main themes going to be and whether or not the themes play out exactly that way or not, you can kind of get an idea for how how I think or how whoever's writing it thinks. But this podcast is it's 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 2023. So I put out I put out that that year end piece um in December twenty second. But the but this is a new year. It's twenty twenty three and and so it's time for New Year's resolutions. And I find that, you know, people who put out a year end piece, um about what they expect to happen or an outlook piece. Um, you, you know, I don't know that I've, I, uh, you very often see resolutions from these people about, about what it is that they want to do this year, what they want to do differently. Um, and, uh, and I think that's a, a useful, um, it's a useful chore, I think, for everybody to do. I mean, it's the reason that we all, um, you know, do it at the end of the year. I guess I shouldn't say it's a chore. It's a it's a discipline, um, but uh, anyway. So I made a list of a couple of a couple of resolutions. I mean, there are a lot of resolutions that I made that really are not uh, you know fit for a podcast. But um, but these are sort of I guess market related and and career related and whatever. But so here we go in twenty. And I also have a couple of of resolutions that I. Would suggest for other people and for for listeners, by the way. So let's start with the, with the ones for me. Uh, in 2023, I resolve uh, to have more frequent podcasts 
you know, we started this in uh, late 2021, and um, it was, uh, you know, I think we did it every couple of weeks or so, and, um, uh, you know, the response has been very good, but I think that that sometimes the cadence slows down a bit, and I'd like to get so that it's a very regular, you know, maybe every Thursday we drop a podcast or something like that for for a year. Um, I, there's certainly enough content, certainly enough to talk about in the inflation space and investing that we, we should be able to do that. Um, but so that's that's one of my, my resolutions. Um, similarly, I want to do the same thing with the blog and drop a blog once a week. I mean, heck, I used to write every day, so... It shouldn't be that hard a thing to do. Um, I think I want to have guests in 2023. I resolved to have some guests. You know, uh, to this point, the only guest that we have had on Sense and Sensibility, um, the only guest was uh, Milton Friedman, um, and um, and that was uh, posthumously. So, um, I think that uh, you know I've met lots of interesting people in my life, and I think that. Um, I think that you would find them interesting as well. And so I don't want to do you – know, this is this is not going to be a an every week sort of thing, but you probably get tired talking, listening to me talk all the time. So, you know, why don't we listen to someone else talk or uh, – um, and, and so I resolved to do that uh, periodically anyway. Um, I'm still going to do the CPI reports on CPI days. Um, I'd really like to get out and do some more – presentations out in the world. You know, I spoke at the Canadian Bond Investors Association's conference um, right after they got rid of real return bonds, like the week after. And that was super interesting. And it's always neat to get out there and, and talk to other investors and, and um, you know, uh, and, and to talk to them about inflation, because it still is a topic that people don't think about the right way. And um, and actually, at that conference, I, I delivered a talk in a uh, in a lab coat um, because I I talked about inflation in in the um, you know, as if it were a disease, which it is. It's a disease, but I talked about it in sort of COVID-like terms. You know, what's the treatment of the disease, and what's our diagnosis, and all that stuff. And um, yeah, it was, it was a little bit different. Um, it would be fun to to talk to. Um, you know, collegiate audiences. Um, I haven't done that in a long time. So I resolved to try to do some of that this year. Um, I, I'm going to put out, this is a, another resolution. I want to put out a book list. People are always asking, or even if they're not asking, I'm always telling them a, a great book that I've read in the past. Um, in fact, I'm going to refer to one a little later in this podcast. And um, and I really should just make make a list somewhere, put it on the pot, on the uh uh, on the blog and um, and just you know, see what people think about those things. Um, I I also am going to I resolve to publish the crypto article that um, has been in the can now for for quite a while. Um, uh, a, a colleague of mine um, from Norway and I wrote a paper about um, uh, trust in crypto and, and how you measure objectively the trust in crypto as a monetary unit. And so it's really interesting. Um, Sam Bankman-Fried kind of messed up the timing a little bit because now when you talk about trust in crypto, you just get you know people laughing and snorting. And, um, and so maybe it's not so timely, but heck, we've done all the work and, and my colleague did all of the programming and stuff to 
to kind of pull all this data in and, and come up with this neat index. And it tells a fun story. So, but we do need to get out there and publish it. And, and I'm, you know, I've written a number of academic articles and I'm, and I am, I'm one of those 95% guys. I can get a, an article 95% of the way there and it'll sound all academic and it's really good. And that last 5% is just deadly. I just, that those last little bits of cleaning it up, making sure it fits the, uh, the requirements that the journal has for, for format and things like that just drive me bananas. Um, and that's why I haven't published more than I have. Actually, uh, if you go to SSRN and you look for Michael Ashton, I, I have published a few things, but I have more, I have more, you know, unpublished manuscripts. And there's only like six or seven of them there, but there's more unpublished manuscripts than, than published just because I get them to some place and I submit them and, and they get rejected with comments. And I say, yeah, I, I haven't got time. <clears throat> um, but bottom line is, you know, 2023, I want to focus more on my audience. You know, at first this podcast thing was sort of a, a lark, you know, people told me I should do one and I said, that's too hard. And they said, no, no, it's really easy. You should do it. Um, and so I did it and it was kind of fun. Um, but the reaction has been so positive that, and, and surprising, honestly, that, um, you know, I, I, I think I want to, to, to try to be better at it. Um, so I will, I'm going to try to, to develop my podcasting skills, my podcasting audience, and, and, and hopefully the, the business follows along with that. Now I have some resolutions that I think, <clears throat> just some general advice for people who are listening, and and you can you can ignore it. Most people do ignore um, my advice. Well, I, let's just my kids. My kids ignore most of my advice, but but um, you know I, I think that sometimes I have some useful things to say. So I would say that um, one of the things that and, and by the way I know this is terribly terribly presumptuous of me to rec and make. New Year's resolution for someone else. But but I think interestingly, by the way, I was thinking about this last night. And I know I'm I'm kind of going around in, in a weird circle right now. I'm a little bit out of practice here. Here's a neat exercise I want to try next year. Okay. So next year, what I want to do is I want to make up a list of say five or six resolutions. Okay, on New Year's Eve. And I want to get, you know, my family, friends, whatever, a bunch of people in some in a party to come up with their resolutions. And then I want to cut them all, you know, one resolution per, per piece of paper. And I want to put them in a hat. And people have to draw out their resolutions, okay? Um, and, and, and so, and find out what the resolution that they're kind of going to be stuck with with the next year. So, because let's face it, we don't really tend to follow our own resolutions all that well anyway. So why do they even have to be our resolutions? So why don't we... You know, I'll reach into the hat, I'll pull something out, and it says, you know, eat more Malamars. And I'll be like, well, that sounds like a great resolution. It's not really something I was thinking of, but it sounds terrific. Um, somebody else might reach in and it says, lose 60 pounds. And that person only weighs like 80, so it's going to be a hard resolution for them. But I think that would be really interesting to sort of, uh, um, you know, add a little randomness to to the resolution thing at the end of the year. So this is a little step away from that. This isn't random, but it's presumptuous in that I'm suggesting some resolutions for you. Here's a good resolution for anybody who is an investor, and that is trade less. Everybody should resolve to trade less next year than they did this year, with one exception I'll get to in a second. However much you trade, it's 
almost certainly too much. Um, if you, uh, and, and, you know, 90% of the trades, the best traders I ever saw, most of them were people who would sit there and just do nothing. Or they'd, they'd do a bunch of things just kind of knowing that it was just noise. And then they would go big on one trade every now and then. Um, or they would just simply sit there for days on end and do nothing until there was some low-hanging fruit and then they'd make a big trade. The the worst traders I ever saw were just frenetic. They traded all the time. And so if you're trading every day, you're trading every week, probably if you're trading every month, you're, you, you probably are over-trading, especially if you're trading particular names. If you're sort of you know, trading different sectors, maybe not so much. But but if you, you know, the markets are fairly efficient in a lot of ways. And so if, you know, you, you really don't have, you don't have a great big edge most of the time. And that means you probably shouldn't be making very big bets and you shouldn't be making them terribly frequently. An exception to that rule of, of don't trade very often is that you should periodically re- rebalance you know, if you haven't traded at all, if you've just like, and this is the other extreme, is that people like invest and then they don't pay any attention to what it is they're doing. They put 60% in stocks and 40% in bonds and then there's a massive bull market in the in the stock market and then the next time they look, they're 90% equities. Um, you do need to occasionally rebalance. There's a return to rebalancing. If you, if you rebalance to, to fixed weights, you will systematically add a little bit to your return over time. Why is that? Because what you're doing is you're you're systematically selling something that has gone up to buy something which has gone down. If it's got a lower weight than than your policy weight, it means it went down. And if it has a higher weight, it means it went up relative to one another anyway. And so that means you're systematically buying low and selling high. And that's a good thing. So, you know, you don't have to do, you don't want to do it every time there's a, 1% change in your, in your, in your weights from your, whatever your benchmark is, but periodically you should do that. It's a good discipline to get into. Um, and, and I guess sort of the, one of the, one of the big, uh, resolutions that we should all make, we should make it every year. And certainly it's relevant to the listeners of this podcast is you should resolve to, to continue to defend your money, um, against inflation. Inflation is not dead. Um, you should look out for inflation hucksters on both sides. You know, I'm always warning about the people who say inflation is at 19% because the BLS makes up the number. Okay, that's just baloney, and those are inflation hucksters. They're trying to scare you. They're trying to get you to subscribe or buy gold or whatever, um, and you can ignore those people. But you should also probably ignore the people who say, oh, inflation is going to go right back exactly to the Fed's target um, or we're going to be in deflation or whatever, and the people who are trying to elicit some sort of act, you know, action out of you on the other side, whether it's to vote a certain way because everything's fine and dandy and everything's great, um, whether it's to give more credence to the central bank by making them appear successful, and maybe that'll make you want to buy stocks more. So, you know, Wall Street tends to promulgate the idea that everything is, you know, is, is maybe bad right now, so you should do something about it, but it's going to be good. And so you can invest with confidence. Um, so be very careful of those inflation hucksters. One of the things that I, I, I pride myself on is I, I, I think I'm a pretty honest broker when it comes to views about inflation. You know, when I was first trading inflation derivatives for Barclays, 
people got the salespeople would get really mad when I would go to meet a customer and the customer would ask me what my opinion was about inflation. And at the time, this is 2000 and, um, you know, four or something, I'd say, look, I don't think inflation is going to be a big problem. I, you know, I, it's going to go up and down, but it's not likely to be a big problem. Um, however, you should cover the risk. You should definitely take into account the risk that inflation is going to go up. But salespeople hated that because they wanted me to tell people, you know, gee, you're an inflation guy. You should you should tell everyone inflation is going to go way up so we can sell more bonds, uh, more inflation bonds. And I, I can't do that. So I, I, you know, I've been telling you that I thought inflation was going to go up. I thought told, told you there would be an, you know, that that the, the monetary accident was happening and that this was not an, a transitory inflation. I told you a bunch of other things, um, a lot of them right, some of them wrong. I told you when I thought inflation was peaking, and then I was wrong. And I told you when I thought it was peaking again, and that time I was right. And 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 it's going back down. But I'm I, I, I'm telling you what I really think. I think inflation is going to go to, down to between four and five and hang out there. Um, and and if I'm wrong, um, I'll try to figure out why I'm wrong. And if my opinion changes, and, and there are some things that could change my opinion, then I will tell you that. And so I think I'm at least an honest broker. And, and uh, you know, yes, I do have something to sell you. Uh, I am an, an investment manage, investment manager. Um, so it's not like I'm, I, I have no, uh, no skin in the game and no dog in this, in this fight. But, um, but I think you can, I hope you can trust my honesty. I hope you, you feel like you can. Um, <clears throat> no reason, there's no reason you know, I mean, this is this is the internet for God's sakes. Everything I say is going to be there forever, and so if I'm if I'm always saying the same thing, eventually someone will, you know, you guys will figure that out. Um, so it doesn't make any sense for me to go and and do that. Um, you know, one of the things that the inflation uh, hucksters of one stripe have said is that you know the <laughs> and and you can see where they're coming from. Inflation, now that inflation is coming back down, people are saying, see, it was all supply constraints after all because, you know, uh, freight is getting better and there are lots of the of supply constraints that are starting to, not even starting, some of them are well advanced in terms of being relaxed. Of course, inflation is still, it's, you know, over six. But, you know, the the idea is that now that inflation is heading back down and we're seeing these relax, this relaxation in supply constraints, therefore, the inflation must have been supply constraints. Now, why are they telling you this? They're telling you this because they want you to spend another $1.7 trillion. Hmm. Interesting. Um, you know, because it wasn't the spending after all that did it. It was COVID. It was so on. Um, and we'll talk a lot more about that this year. Um, uh, and I've talked about it in the past that the when you have too much demand relative to supply, it shows up in shortages. Um, and shortages look like they're caused by supply constraints. But if suddenly you want 10 times more Cabbage Patch dolls than were made, the resulting shortage and the resulting rise in the price of Cabbage Patch dolls um, is not due to the, the supply constraint. It's due to demand. And so, and so you know, but... But the fact that those things are now coinciding, a relaxation of this of the supply constraints and the shortages and lower inflation, it's being used as a tool to sell you 
that the idea that no, no, it really was supply. It had nothing to do with the fact that we we spent trillions and trillions of dollars of printed money. Um, so be very careful and and make a resolution to defend your money from inflation. Defend your money from those those uh, those hucksters. We still have. Although it's true that supply constraints are are lessening, there are lots of long-term upward pressures that we still haven't dealt with. There's some good things that are happening on inflation, but net-net, to me, it still looks like uh, we have not slain the inflation dragon again. Um, and remember, too, and this is somewhat related, that um, a good investment or a good bet means firstly that, that it's a good price. Um, I think a lot of people, you see a good company, um, and actually I think there was a, an old book called One Up on Wall Street long, long ago. Uh, Peter um, uh, from Fidelity, Peter Lynch wrote it. Um, and, and his point was that, and of course this is written in the 80s, so this was kind of true. He said, look, if you find a good company and you buy its stock, then you know that's that, you know, that's what you need to do. If you find a good company doing something, you know, that, especially if it's got a, a, a bad name like waste management or something, you know, then if you find a good company, then it's likely to be a good stock too. And I I can't really disagree with that more. Um, the definition of a good investment is that it's a good price. Um, I can. You know, the, the TCU-Georgia national championship game that's coming up, I can bet that either way. I can bet on TCU or I can bet on Georgia, and I can feel strongly either direction if the spread is right. If you give me enough points, I will bet on TCU till the cows come home. And if you're making me give away too many points, then I'm not going to bet on Georgia, even if I think Georgia is a vastly better team. It's the price that matters, and you should be able to look at a particular investment and, I, and, and say to yourself, okay, I like it, but here's the price at which I would not like it. If you can't identify a price at which you wouldn't buy Tesla, bad example now that it's you know, down in the dumps, but if you can't identify a price at which you would not buy an investment, then you're not thinking about it right, and you shouldn't invest until you step back and thought very carefully about what it's worth to make that that bet or that investment. Markets um, right now, and so when this this comes into play when we're talking about inflation, that markets are giving very very good prices on inflation. Long term inflation expectations, long term break evens are down in the low twos, basically saying that you know they're basically pricing in a fed that is fully successful at bringing inflation all the way back almost immediately to the target and nailing it there again for another couple of decades um yeah but maybe that's possible but even if you don't think inflation is going to you know roll away from us here to me that's a very attractive bet to a very attractive price at which to make the bet that inflation is going to be higher Right, just like with TCU, you might think TCU doesn't have a prayer against Georgia, but if I give you thirty-five points, you better take TCU, and that's and that's what's happening here in the inflation market. You might not think inflation is going to go up, but unless you think that deflation is going to happen, then you better be long inflation because it's it's just not it's not priced in a way that you can be that you can lose badly if you're wrong on that.
obviously there's mark to mark and, and so on and so forth, but but my general you get my general point anyway. Um, and and look along those same lines, if you don't play poker, make a resolution to play some poker. Don't play for big stakes, you know, but but go and play poker. You know, poker is a neat game um, because it's it's you know it's very easy to learn. Um, but it has so many different layers and nuances. You know, there are people who can, who can play it, play and beat you at poker without even ever looking at their cards, you know, because they're looking at you and they can see, they, they can read your cards by looking at your face and therefore they know how to bet, you know? Um, so there's some people who don't, who plays no, almost no weight on the cards they actually hold. Um, and there are other people who, who focus a lot on, making the right price, the right bet, the, the, the pot has the right payoff if they're right and so on. And, and because those, um, those skills are so similar to ones you use in investing, but by the way, in life, putting the right price on a bet is, is a super important skill, uh, to learn. And, um, I'd put it up there with the skills like salesmanship, um, and, uh, customer service and, and, you know, um, changing a car tire and you know, all kinds of things like that. Um, but uh, I mentioned earlier a, a book, and um, Annie Duke, who's a world-famous poker player, wrote a book called Thinking in Bets. That's a really good book about, about this basic idea that, that um, you know, when, 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 a, when somebody asks you, um, do you think that's going to happen, that's the wrong question. The real question is, hey, what odds would you put on that happening or not happening? And that's a poker type uh, mindset. So again, don't go play high stakes poker if you don't know what you're doing. Um, it is really true that if if you're sitting at the table and you don't know who the sucker is in the first uh, 20 minutes, then you are the sucker. But, but go and find a friendly game, but not so friendly that, that people don't care and, uh, and, and go, go, go play some poker. Um, and, and I guess the last thing I'll say, um, I'm really looking forward to, to this next year. We have a lot of good topics to talk about. We're, like I said, we're going to try to talk about them once a week. Um, if you feel uncomfortable making investment decisions, um, don't just avoid making investment decisions. Resolve to find someone who makes you comfortable and and hand them the hard stuff. There are plenty of people out there um, who who think, you know, who, who make it a career to think about investment decisions. And a lot of them aren't very good, but a lot of them are very good. And uh, and life is too short to, to, to spend it losing sleep about investing. There's an old saying that, that you should always sell down to the sleeping point. If you can't sleep at night, you have too much risk on. That's what they tell traders all the time. Um, it's, it's even more true if you're not an investor by trade. Um, you might be a punter and you like to play around with, uh, with your investments. It's not a good place to play around. Um, play around with a little bit of it and, and the, for the rest of it, you know, if, uh, give it to someone who, who you trust and who is, is reasonably capable and, uh, and, Get a situation set up so that you can sleep well 
Um, anyway, I, I like to think that inflation guy is is one such, but um, but there are lots of lots of people out there who are in that category. Um, anyway, that's all for today's podcast. Um, like I said, we're going to do them weekly, but. Um, they, they may well be shorter if I do them more frequently, or they might not be. They might be longer. I might just get diarrhea of the mouth and just go on and on like I did today. Eh, you never know. Uh, anyway, you can contact me uh, at inflationguy at enduringinvestments.com or follow the blog. That's at inflationguy.blog. You can follow me on Twitter at inflation underscore guy. That's the free one. Mainly that, that will get you when I drop a podcast or something that comes out there. Um, visit Enduring Investments website and, uh, and most importantly, defend your money. If inflation is coming for you, remember, you know a guy. <laughs>